I mean, thought leadership is for leaders. You know, you're trying to sell to CEOs, uh, to product leaders, to engineers. These are smart people. Entrepreneurs are really smart and they don't have a lot of time. So you need to be really smart and really succinct. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Content Briefly. We're off to a pretty good start. We've gotten a lot of really good feedback on the podcast so far. And before we get into this episode, I have two quick favors to ask of you. First, if you're enjoying it, we would really appreciate a rating and or review in your podcast app of choice. That would really mean a lot. The second thing is we want your feedback, suggestions, and ideas. So please feel free to send anything you've got to podcast at superpath.co. Feel free even just to say hi, let us know what you thought of an episode, or if there's a guest you'd like to suggest, very open to all of your feedback. Today's episode is brought to you by Superpath. We're best known for our Slack community. That's free, of course. There's almost 15,000 people hanging out in the group, sharing knowledge, helping one another out. It's awesome. And we really encourage you to go check it out if you're not already in there. But we do have a couple other things going on, which you may not be aware of. We have a paid membership called Superpath Pro, where you get access to courses, exclusive content, and monthly one-on-ones. We have a job board. If you're hiring either a full-time or a freelance content marketer, it's a great place to source talent. And then we also have a marketplace where we match companies in need of freelance writers with writers sourced directly from the community. We handle the vetting, the sourcing, and we provide editing on top of that. So if you're interested in any of those things, there are, of course, links on superpath.co. Thanks so much and enjoy this episode. Hey, everybody. Jimmy from Superpath here. Another episode of Content Briefly for you. Really excited for um, an animals reunion today with my my former coworker, Melanie Broder, currently the head of content at Slight. Melanie, could you give us just an uh, intro of yourself? Could you talk a little bit about your background and what you do at Slight? Sure. So my background in content marketing is probably familiar to a lot of content marketers in that I started out as a literature major and uh, creative writing specifically. And uh, I've always loved writing. I eventually found out about content marketing pretty early on in its existence. I want to say around 2013, 2014. And I got a job at a small startup called Padlet out in San Francisco. And I was their single head of content basically just sort of an in-house writer or content marketer, product marketer, email marketer, you know, whatever, like anything that needed either a human touch or like UX writer. Like it was basically anything that could be copy or marketing I touched. After that, I found animals um, and I really liked the energy of that and like the, the purpose behind it. Like it really taught me a lot about strategy. And then I kind of took a break and went back to the literature thing and got an MFA in creative writing and wrote a novel that I'm now trying to sell. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, and then- We're going to link to it. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not self-published. I'm hoping to get a deal. But yeah, if you know any book agents out there. But yeah, and now um, sort of when I was wrapping that up, I found Slight. And so I've been working there for two years. That's awesome. What is Slight? Or, I mean, I know what Slight is because we're a customer. Um, I will also just say as a disclaimer, yeah. we're not being paid. To, you know, like we don't have a free account. Like we pay like everybody else. It's a really good product. But could you kind of give us an overview of, of the company, the product itself? And then like kind of the next step after that is marketing. Uh, like where does marketing fit into all of that? But maybe first like just kind of company overview would be helpful. 
So Slight has been around since 2016. Um, it started out as like the note-taking app for teens. Uh, a lot of companies started out as that, I would say. Um, <laughs> and it was started in Paris, actually. So it's a, it's a mostly European team. And um, it's evolved over the years to, to be more of a knowledge management tool system um, that also focuses on async first written communication within teams. So it's really meant to be your your central workspace for remote teams. Got it. I mean, maybe this is an obvious question. I'm assuming it changed in 2020 and 2021. Like yeah. the things accelerated or maybe the product vision became more clear when the world changed and then like the way we worked kind of changed along with it. It did It did change in 2020, but I, and I wasn't there in 2020, full disclosure, but um, it changed more in, um, like 2017-ish when uh, the first person at Slight um, decided to move away from Paris and oh, that's when they went remote. So this focus on remote work, which you'd think came out of 2020, actually started for us like a while before that. So written first, yeah, async, which I'm probably going to say a million times today, uh, <laughs> is uh, is definitely like in the DNA from from earlier on. And so we're trying to help teams catch up to that. Yeah, really cool. Really cool. We're actually, you'll see like real live use cases of Slight, some of the stuff that we're putting out recently. Like we made a wiki for the community. All of that was made in Slight. Like just today, like as we're recording just today, we released a blog post and there's a content upgrade that's in Slight. And then we're using it for all of our internal documentation stuff people don't see, but there's a lot of it. And then once we had a tool that like made it easy to do this kind of thing, we found that there was quite a bit to document. Um, yes. And it really genuinely has helped us with operational stuff. Like it just moves more quickly when everyone has a place to go. One of the reasons I'm kind of like flagging that and highlighting it is because in my experience, most content teams don't do a very good job documenting. We haven't done a very good job documenting. And even the small amount we've done has just been so helpful. Yeah. Well, honestly, like Animals was really great about documentation. And I would say yeah, that, that's like, true. That's where I learned about documentation. I mean, I honestly was one of my other clients was a documentation tool. So I, I feel like I go back with documentation. And it's also something that I believe in a lot, not only as someone who works remotely, but like as a writer, like I think that it's it's really important to have really clear guidelines like if you're going to collaborate if you're going to like make the commitment to the freedom of lifestyle that remote affords you you better be able to like express yourself clearly in writing otherwise you're going to get in, in trouble yeah totally totally how about marketing at slight what does the marketing team look like and where does content fit in to marketing i guess another way to think about that question is like are there other channels that slight is prioritizing in addition to content yeah so marketing's kind of evolved in a few different directions, but right now we have a really solid team. What's really interesting about content was I joined in 2021 and there was already like a ton of SEO content and it was doing quite well. Like it was, we were getting traffic from this SEO content. And my original role was just to be an SEO writer because they were seeing this growth with, with SEO. They had been working with an agency and freelancers before that. And they were like, oh, this channel really works for us. But it wasn't delivering leads, like it was just delivering traffic. And so the first problem I was working on was like how to increase the quality of this content that we had. So that's been an ongoing pro project. We also have templates that are also SEO mm -hmm. optimized. And so that's been an ongoing project, but it quickly sort of shifted to the growth team. Um, so we actually have a growth team or we have a head of growth now um, who works with one other person. And then we also have a growth product manager who's been very involved in optimizing those pages and stuff. So 
it's been a very sort of like engineering focus for those resources. And like I've come in and, you know, added a coat of paint to them really. And like when I see a need from from customers and stuff that we need a new template, then I'll create the template for that. But it's honestly been out of my hands a little bit. And it's been really nice that we have that in the background so that we have been able to try out this stuff with the thought leadership. Yes. And I have a lot of questions about the thought leadership stuff. Um, I guess before we before we get into that, because I think people are going to be very interested in that, but I want to make sure we like um, set the table you know, with all the other things happening as well. So you're the only person working on content full-time, correct? Yes, I am. Um, and I actually work with a freelancer, um, another former animals person right now. But yeah, I'm the only, I'm the content lead. The overall structure of our marketing team is that I work under the head of brand marketing. So we have a head of growth and a head of brand marketing. We also have a product marketer, two marketing designers, and um, a head of partnerships. I feel that's very interesting that content falls under brand and not growth. I, I feel like it could go either way, kind of depending on the direction that you're, you want to go with content, right? Like, yeah. I feel like maybe that explains a little bit of the, the story behind some of the thought leadership stuff, which I promise I'll stop teasing in a second and just get to so we can talk about it. How, how do you all communicate about content? Like, what, do you have like a sort of a set meeting cadence? I'm assuming quite a bit of it is async and there's probably some like product dog fooding <laughs> kind of thing baked into that. But I'm curious, like as the only content person, there's things you need, right? There's like, you need the ability to like, well, I'm sure like update other folks on what you're doing, but also like probably some space to brainstorm and you know, kind of like do the things that a larger content team would do, but by yourself, like do you lean on other people on the team for that kind of stuff? And does that stuff fall into any kind of like formal communication style? Yeah. So I mean, it's funny because this process, we've been experimenting with it since the beginning, I think. So, I mean, at first, when I first started on your own time, which is the name of our blog, thought leadership blog. It's still under the Slido name, but it's a little bit separate from that, the templates and SEO content that I mentioned before. So when I first started that, it was just like a lot of ideas that had been sitting around for a while. And I was able to just sort of write a post a week and like get that stuff out there. And then of course, um, as many content marketers know, like the ideas dry up, right? And you have to figure out how to source ideas. So a lot of it, at first then was like working with our CEO, Chris, Christophe, he would, you know, talk about the ideas behind what we were building or the new roadmap, or we were shifting to this like different strategy at, at one point and like, how are we going to promote that or a new product that we were launching? Um, so a lot of it was just like one-to-ones with him, like getting his ideas out of his head and like onto this blog. But now that we have a team, we do brainstorming live as a team and then we also have docs that you could add to the backlog we we had this thing in, in slight where it's like it used to be you organized your docs in channels and databases but now we have this thing called collections when you create a doc in slight you have the option to create a collection of docs instead of just one doc so in content we have a content backlog which is a collection where anybody can add ideas to that the problem is that people forget that it exists. So I kind of every so often have to put a meeting on someone's calendar and say, hey, like you've got ideas, you're on the engineering team, like I need to hear how you built this, like let's talk about it. But last month I thought that 
it would be great to involve the whole team in kind of like an open town hall format. So I recently recategorized our blog um, and sorted it into different verticals. And I invited everybody on the team who wanted to participate in ideation to come. And it was a live meeting, so it wasn't async. We played this game that we've played in offsites and retreats uh, called crazy eights, but we did crazy threes. I don't know. Are, are you familiar with crazy eights, Jim? No, no, but I'm intrigued. <laughs> um, so crazy eights is when you're ideating on a topic and you take eight minutes to write as many ideas down as possible. And then you move on to the next topic and you write down. It's pretty simple. So I took three minutes for each vertical for everybody to come up with as many ideas as possible. Cool. And it, we ended up with like 30, 40 ideas. That's so interesting. Are you going to do that more? Like did it I'm assuming it was a success. Like, is that going to yeah. you gonna make that a regular thing? I want to make it a regular thing. Um, I think it was because it was novel. We had a really good turnout this time, but maybe I'm underestimating um, how much people show up to this kind of meeting. We also now have so much in the backlog that I'm like, I don't know if I need to hold it until, you know, three months from now. <laughs> That's such a great problem. That's awesome. I'm curious, like, I don't know that I've ever been in a content brainstorming people with people who are content marketers. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like if you bring engineers, were you surprised by the stuff they brought? Did they bring stuff? You know, I'm just imagining that the engineering team doesn't say like, we should do the ultimate guide to insert keyword here. Like they probably bring some like fresh stuff to it. Yeah, no, the, I mean, the, the engineers were great. I mean, like the CTO showed up, which I was just like, I, I loved that. And, and they were, the engineering column had the most ideas in it by far. That's awesome. And I think they, they have been, really eager to have their own blog, but it just falls down their priority list. So I'm working with an engineer on a piece right now. And it's just sort of like, if you put it in linear, if you put it on my calendar, like I will have it done by then. So that's what I'm doing. And I'm just sort of like, okay, well, like I'll break it down as if you were a freelance writer. So give me your bullet points, uh, get me some screenshots, and then we'll work together on the angle. And then we can, and also now, like what's great about working with engineers now is that you really can use ChatGPT to fill in some stuff if they're not going to string sentences together, but they have all these ideas. Honestly, it's not it's not hurting you to use that. Yeah, that's that's really cool. Just so I make sure I got this right. You have basically three places where content lives on the Slight website right now. Yeah. On your own time. And the S SEO, which is is that under like slash blog or slash resources? Slash learn. Slash learn. And then there's templates. And it sounds like maybe there will be a fourth at some point, which would be an engineering blog. Well, ideally, they would all come together under <laughs> um, a sort of general resources tab. We'd have to rethink the architecture of that and how that would affect, you know, people coming to the site. But yeah, um, I, yeah, I'd like it to be sort of like a center where people who want to learn can can go and jump around, you know, from some of the more top of the funnel stuff to thought leadership to really sort of engineering focused pieces, if that's what interests them, because it all sort of fits our Really cool. I want to ask you more about like reporting and stuff like that, but maybe we should talk about the content strategy itself because that that informs a lot of the other stuff that I want to ask you about. Slight content looks different. Like when you go to slight.com slash blog, which I would encourage people to do, and you just read off a few of the headlines, it's pretty clear immediately that this is different than the average SaaS blog. So I'm just going to read a couple titles on here. Uh, the SaaS promise of productivity is broken. Here's why. Uh, Asyncify your life. Uh, how to build a company wiki that doesn't suck. <laughs> um, 
people first only goes so far for parents. Like there's just like a lot going on here that doesn't feel like, like I said earlier, like ultimate guide to X or 10 ways to do Y, things like that. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like I would broadly categorize it as thought leadership, but that's also oversimplifying it. Like it, it seems like you're trying to differentiate the brand and the product by having opinions and not being afraid to state them boldly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we're big believers, the founders, um, CEO, Chris, who I mentioned earlier, like they're big believers in opinionated software, right? And that's, I mean, that's something that we hear about a lot. Um, but I think you really do see it in the slight product that it's, it's very clear that we're not building everything for everyone. Um, it's very clear that it's a product for remote teams that share a certain philosophy of how to work best. Um, and that's why we're able to keep the interface itself very clean. And I think that we wanted to translate that to the blog and, you know, show why we're different, you know, express why we're different in our words, too, because it's not necessarily that easy to pick up on all those things unless you're deep in the product. Um, so sort of building brand awareness was was really key for us. I mean, it's honestly like, you know, knowledge management, documentation is a crowded space. So when I was coming off of, you know, years of working on SEO based blog posts and seeing how that plays out. And I think that like there is a certain plateau that you reach and you have to be thinking about what's next. Right. So like SEO content was was the next big thing. And now I think the content landscape is shifting, like even podcasts. I mean, LinkedIn is exploding now. I think that we all need to sort of keep our eyes out on what is the thing that can build, build that awareness and like take a chance on those things. Because if we keep doing the same stuff, like we're going to all plateau. And then for me, it was just what I was interested in in writing. I think like the Slight team had, Slight is the first company where I felt like I, you know, can really be my full self. And I felt like really understood by my colleagues. And I thought that this was like a culture that was really special. And I thought that maybe that was a sales point is sort of turning the mm. Slight culture inside out and sharing that with the world. I love that. I love that. I mean, it does seem like a really good match of product where, I mean, it seems like Slight has embraced product-led growth. Like, I don't know that every yeah. company just like embodies it 100%, but like, obviously there's some elements of that here. And then like, you're able to bring in, like you're an MFA, you have an MFA, like you bring in like a level of craftsmanship to the writing that I mean, frankly is just like different than the skills that some other content people do, or maybe they're coming at it from like, and more of an SEO perspective, or they're kind of like marketers trying to figure out how to, you know, turn the written word into a channel. Whereas like, Someone with a st really strong background in writing brings something totally different and fresh to it. Well, thank you. Um, I mean, we're, we're still, you know, we're still figuring it out, but. <laughs> so you mentioned that like when you came on board, you know, the folks before you had been doing SEO content and it actually was, was performing pretty well. Mm -hmm. So now you've added this layer of thought leadership in your, well, I think it's two questions for you. In your brain, do you like bucket these out into lanes or you know, like, do you have some other kind of like framework in your brain for like how you separate this stuff. And then yeah. as a follow-up to that, I want to ask you about reporting. Like, how do you keep track of this stuff? What do you care about? What metrics are you measuring? Um, or are there other ways that you're keeping track of like whether, I mean, whether it's like sentiment or reader feedback or whatever else uh, that kind of inform whether or not this is quote unquote working? Yeah. I mean, it's a really good question. The, the most honest answer is that some months are better than others. Um, but we have seen like a steady growth over the last two years to differentiate the performance of the thought leadership content is easy because it lives on slash blog, whereas the other content is on slash learn slash um, templates. So it's 
it's pretty easy to see where the traffic is coming from. We're trying to sort of switch up the kind of content that we host on the blog and seeing if maybe uh, that's going to change uh, the people that come into the blog. Uh, like we're doing, start, we just published our first case study in a couple of years on the blog. Cool. But we mainly measure it through our newsletter, which is our main distribution source, which you have the option to sign up for when you sign up for Slight. And we initially grew it like just completely word of mouth the first year. And then we sort of added this button in the product, which feels like a cheat. But I, I don't think it's a cheat because it's, uh, I mean, it's, you know, something that you don't have to do. Um, yeah, holy, that's interesting. So we did see some a boost from that. So newsletter subscribers, traffic to the blog, and then also qualitative feedback. We really, you know, because it's still sort of in this experimental phase, like it's, you know, if people write in and say, wow, this is so true, or this really is so insightful, or this hit home, or I want to use this for my team, then that is considered a success. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I mean, do you do like give a spreadsheet? You know what I mean? Like, do you sit down each month and kind of like update yeah. the numbers, make a chart to see how it's doing? And then like, do you sit down with anyone like your manager or whatever to talk through it? Yeah. I mean, I sit down, I sit down with the head of brand marketing, Veda, and we have a brand marketing metrics spreadsheet. So it's, it's included in that. Like as much as I am the one man island of content, like it's really not, it's really part of this team that, that all sort of has the same goals. So it's, it's a part of it. It's part of the brand marketing. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it sounds like you have a ton of buy-in on content. Like the fact that the CTO showed up to the content brainstorming meeting is so awesome. I'm just like wondering, I'm like trying to like put myself in the minds of people listening who might be like, I would love to do some like bold thought leadership content, but I've got all this red tape to deal with. I'm assuming that's not a problem. Like, do you ever run into gatekeepers, you know, who say like, hold on, that's too much. Like you've gone, you've gone too far this time, Melody. <laughs> I mean, I think... And this is a this is something that's interesting that we've struggled to document in the past is sort of like I feel like the brand voice lives in my head and I recently wrote a style mm. guide but it's like it's something like I I would never have to worry about going too far because like I know in my head okay the slight voice is positive we don't go too we're opinionated but we like are very like human and like don't go too far and like we don't antagonize anybody so it's not like I'm not worried about that necessarily but the buy-in thing. I mean, it is kind of extraordinary. I think it goes, yeah, up to the highest levels of leadership. And I think it also came from the early success with SEO, really. I mean, it was like, oh, content works. We've never doubted that content works, even when it takes a long time. I mean, there are still moments when I have to justify what I'm doing. You know, like, I think that, like, there's a, there are times when the traffic's down. And honestly, you know, it's, it sucks, like, because... They're like, yeah, you know, have free reign, but we expect, uh, you know, to hit certain thresholds and I have to do that too. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes a ton of sense. If I could, two, two like highlights I would take away from what you just said. Like back in the day, we wrote a blog post for animals about this idea of content culture. And mostly what it was about was, was getting buy-in. The more buy-in you have, especially from leadership, the easier your life is going to be, the more creativity you're going to be able to express at work and just kind of the the better everything's going to go. There are some workarounds for that. And I, I actually do want to ask you about that too. And then the second thing would be that SEO pays the bills. Like mm -hmm. for most organizations, <laughs> right? Like give them traffic and you will buy yourself space to try other things, you know? Some of which may end up being more successful down the road, but like you've got to, you've got to like keep that baseline traffic 
number growing. Otherwise, like somebody, your manager, the CMO, somebody's going to be saying like, hey, hold on, hold on. You can't be going off in this other direction if our traffic is tanking, right? Yeah. So SEO, it, it buys you time, it buys you space, it buys you resources. So I think you really need both. Like you need the thing that's going to that's going to make the graphs go up. And you also need the thing that sets you apart. I don't think it's really either are optional. Yeah, that's actually what you just said is like kind of a cool way to summarize a content strategy, right? Like a thing you know will work and then a, a way for you to experiment on new stuff. I mean, I feel like a lot of people probably have this this itch to do more of the type of content that you see on the Slight blog. How Do you have any recommendations on how folks might get started with that if it's if they're not getting that like top-down buy-in on this, like one way, for example, I could imagine is like, start with the executive team, start with the founder, right? Like yeah. they probably have a vision. Maybe they've never documented that. Yeah. I think maybe that's like ghostwriting some stuff for a CEO or a founder, like could be a very good way to kickstart it because, you know, if you do it well, they get a dopamine hit out of it. Like it could lead to the next thing. And maybe that's the snowball that gets it all rolling. I mean, that's actually, yeah, I think that's a great way to do it. And I think that's sort of where the origin of thought leadership, unless we want to credit the VCs, but let's not credit them. Uh, it was like CEO blogs, you know, like uh, that's that's where this whole idea came from. It's like you have deep expertise in this and you've backed it up by putting, you know, your money on the line. I mean, I guess the VCs have put their money on the line, too. I don't know why I'm dissing VCs like investment <laughs> play. But, um, you know, I mean, it's these people with original ideas who needed a way to share them. And so they had medium blogs or before that they had blogspot blogs and, you know, they were like low design lift, um, but they were very effective and they were widely shared and visited. So, um, I mean, I think definitely CEOs, a lot of them like secretly want that sort of platform to speak their mind or openly want that platform to speak their mind. I think they're even more these days are CEOs who are content savvy. So, but for those who are struggling to get buy-in, I mean, I think I think one way to do it, and I'm not saying it's the easiest thing, is to have an early win. One channel that's been really good for us in terms of like getting traffic is Hacker News. So getting someone like the CEO or the CTO to share their thoughts and then you kind of fashion a post out of it and then share it there and bring in bring in the hackers, you know, the people from that site. And um, and then you can show, like, listen, this community, this really resonates with this community. Of course, that's sort of partial to products and companies that are tech forward. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally, though. But yeah, if you if you write a post and it gets 30,000 views in 24 hours, everyone is going to be addicted to it. And then yeah. you'll almost be forced to do it yeah, again. Then you're a little bit screwed over because you're like, oh, yeah, 30,000. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. it again and again. <laughs> so there's definitely like some trickle down benefits from that too. Like if you get a post to go viral on Hacker News or Reddit or wherever else, like it just gets so much visibility and it sometimes will get picked up by a media outlet, right? Or other bloggers will link back to it or it makes the rounds on social, like it gives you a ton of awareness. It can also get you backlinks, which then yeah. helps you build domain authority. So you get this like indirect benefit of like, maybe it actually helps you rank for like more product focused content down the road, even though like that wasn't like necessarily the original intention of trying to get a piece to go viral on a site like Hacker News. Yeah, definitely like going viral isn't a strategy, but it doesn't hurt. And there are, and there are yeah. ways that you can, you can make it more likely, right? Like, you know, posting at the right time of day does matter. Posting with the right headline does matter. Um, knowing your audience does matter. So it's, yeah, there's no hack to it, so to speak. But there is, there are things you can do to help yourself with that. Yeah. 
Is any of that baked into your workflow? Like, do you, you know, is there like a checklist you run through? Great question. Depending on the type of content it is of like what you'll do next, like how you'll get eyeballs on it? Yeah. So honestly, and like di distribution, full disclosure was my weak point, um, still is in a way. Like it's it's not something that comes naturally. I like to think, you know, as a creative writer that the work speaks for itself. And, um, and you know, like that if it's a good idea, it will resonate. But that's just not true. And it's especially not true in content marketing that's, you know, linked to a product that's linked to a specific function. So that's something that our head of brand marketing, Veda, has been really helpful with me as well as our um, head of growth Roman Wazo he's like been really great I mean he manages all the SEO content now and he's like he, like he's a bigger href stork than anybody I've known so like it is a team effort um, but I just recently put together our distribution playbook and it's very specific to Slype but maybe it's something I could turn public in the end that'd be awesome <laughs> that would be awesome we would love to see that <laughs> um but it's you know i mean it's pretty simple because we we are at the end of the day a small team you know we share stuff from the slight linkedin we share stuff on twitter i share stuff on my personal social we put it in the newsletter which goes out every two weeks um our product newsletter is a separate newsletter that sometimes will shout us out yeah and then like if a piece is heavily tech focused, then we'll go for the Hacker News venue. Um, if it's more marketing, then like our marketing team has really strong personal networks. So like, you know, I'll be mm. out on Superpath. Yeah, it depends on the piece, but. Uh. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like an if this, then that kind of thing. <laughs> like, you know, there's like different goals, maybe even different reader personas and a different process. Yeah. Do you run all of your content workflow inside of Slight? Like, is that where your content calendar yeah. lives? Or, and then I guess related to that, are there any other tools that are part of your content stack that you find to be particularly helpful? Yes, let me try and think. I mean, mostly slight, yes. I mean, we use Active Campaign to run our newsletters. Um, so I'm in there often. Slight has got like Slight now has Kanban. So if I want to do to do doing done, like I was trying to put it into because of animals had gotten me so hooked on Airtable. Like I was yeah. trying to create this like Airtable workflow for content, but nobody else on the team was using Airtable and it was just like possible to do what I needed to do in Slight. I just stopped using Airtable for the content calendar. <laughs> 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 but we, yeah, we use linear for task management. So that's just sort of keeping everybody accountable and visible. Yeah, it sounds like you're keeping it pretty lean, which I think, I, I feel like that's a good thing because it really keeps most of the focus on the work itself, right? Like some teams, I think over, probably overdo a little bit on the tech stack because it's like a, you know, sometimes like kind of a distraction from like worrying about if the stuff is actually good that they're publishing. Well, can we like zoom in on the workflow stuff a little bit? It's like you have this nice backlog and it sounds like you also have a mechanism to generate more ideas as needed. Like what happens next? Like how are you prioritizing what goes out the door? And then who's writing it? So are, you, are you writing a lot of the stuff yourself? Yes, I am writing a lot of the stuff myself or rewriting um, or heavily editing. I, like I said, I work with one freelancer, Lauren. So we were publishing four posts a month or the, the goal was that. I mean, it's pretty low number and we're cutting back even further now to like, whenever the newsletter goes out. So two thought leadership posts a month. And so that we can focus on other types of content. We launched this new product in, in January um, and it's really sort of a new direction for Slight. Um, it's our AI um, knowledge base assistant called Ask. So you can ask your knowledge base anything. So we're sort of shifting strategy around that. And I think content will go along with that. Oh, interesting. I want to ask you more about the AI thing, but I guess one last question on workflow stuff, who edits? Because I feel like the type of content you're doing requires a, a different type of editing than maybe SEO content would. I edit the pieces written by other people. And that's 
easier than editing my own work since there isn't really anybody who in the team like has time to do that function. Like I generally just will have several pieces in the pipeline and like return to my pieces every few days so that like it has some time to breathe mm, and then yeah. I'm able to sort of self-edit. Is editing a muscle that you got to flex as you were working on your MFA? I'm curious. Yeah. If that or others, like, are there other things you learned as part of that process that you find to be particularly helpful in your work now? Yeah. Um, oh, fun question. Um, I mean, they're all fun questions. Um, but I mean, what, something that was interesting was when I first joined Slate, I actually found out like two weeks in that I had gotten a teaching fellowship at Columbia. So I was teaching a writing workshop to undergrads. And teaching was something I'd been doing voluntarily before that. So I would say that editing skills came mostly from that, you know, coaxing out like the the true sort of heart of the story and um, what's the most interesting angle. I mean, what, what term we always use in workshop, which is going to sound very like touchy-feely, is like, what are the hot spots in this piece? I think there's like an Elmore Leonard thing that's like, cut out all the parts people don't read. I think that that's one of my mantras when I go through it. I think that it's like, there's so much stuff that people won't read, especially with content pieces. Give them more credit than you usually do. Like people's bullshit meters are strong. So I think that like, <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I feel like we need more literature folks in the content marketing world, right? Like content marketers come from a few places. They come from like SEO or like other parts of marketing. Uh, there's quite a big cohort of people who have come from journalism, which is really cool because they bring this really kind of amazing muscle of like being able to run an interview, ask great questions, like extract information and package it up. Right. But like you bring this other thing in, which is the craft of writing, right? Like really understanding like what goes into making a piece read well, basically trying to make the reader's life as easy and enjoyable as possible. Like that doesn't happen all that much in the content marketing world. So I feel like there's probably like, especially for teams who are thinking about thought leadership, the workmanship of it is super important, right? Like if you're gonna bother doing thought leadership, like yes, you do need a very catchy headline, but you also have to like really think about how to present the ideas in a way that's gonna be super enjoyable to the reader, not just like hoping you'll get enough clicks based on a juicy headline yeah. that it will kind of pay off. If you're you're marketing it, to, I mean, thought leadership is for leaders. I mean, like it's, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it's, you know, you're trying to sell to CEOs, uh, to product leaders, to engineers. These are smart people. Entrepreneurs are really smart and they don't have a lot of time. So you need to be really smart and really succinct, I would say. Yep. When you all published the piece about like the broken promise of B2B productivity or SaaS productivity, I saw that headline. And I was like, yes, yes. Finally, someone has like a good, like kind of lightly cynical take on all this like technology, which is like supposed to make it easier to work, but actually just bogs us down. You know what I mean? When I read it, it, it wasn't cynical, actually. It was actually like quite hopeful, but it did stand out. And one of the things I really appreciated about it was one, the headline did absolutely grab my attention because it just like said something that like, I sort of had this like vague feeling about, but I've never put into words and like didn't know how to put it into words. But then when I clicked it and read it, it totally delivered. And that's where like the workmanship part comes from, I think. It's not like how many of us have like seen a headline that resonates for whatever reason you click and you're like, gosh, this sucks. It's just like another slideshow that I have to like click through so the site can like aggregate page views or something. It's like the total opposite of that. So I feel like the more that you can like either meet or exceed an expectation by delivering great writing, find a good headline, the, the more trust you earn with the reader and the more you, you keep them coming back. 
Thank you. And I hope so. But I think, I mean, one thing that we made, a point we made in a more recent blog post when we when we launched this AI product, and, and not to plug, the more these AI tools become commonplace, like the more junk you're going to have to sift through online. Like we already yeah. live in an age of information overload. I personally think what's the point of adding more noise? And I think that's why Slight also has been backing this project for so long is that they, they also don't believe in like putting more, you know, crap out there and, and you know, putting out good quality stuff that, that couldn't be made anywhere else. And, you know, what if it's assisted by AI? That's fine, but it, it, it should still be original um, and useful. Yeah. There's so much noise. And I think, you know, SaaS tools do want to help you cut through it and, you know, find your focus and your flow. But oftentimes they are adding to it and content marketing's adding to it. We need to find a way to like sell our stuff, uh, but also be honest and, and do right by the people we're selling to. Yeah. I love that because especially like at this, at the current moment, there's a lot of companies saying like, oh, AI, now we can like, you know, 5X the number of blog posts we put out. But what you're saying is, hold on, let's like, let's actually slow down a little bit and maybe even publish less frequently. So we have more time to craft really good stuff that's going to deliver for the people that we want to reach. Like that's like a very refreshing take, especially like just given how much kind of like chaos and movement is going on with all this AI stuff. What is it? <laughs> What's next for like, okay, six months down the road, how has this changed? How has this evolved? Like the work you're doing right now at Slight and the On Your Own Time blog. I know Slight's going to change a lot um, because of because of our AI tool, uh, which really is, I mean, it's not a, a content creation tool. Uh, it's a sort of helping you find your own already created content tool. Um, so it helps you ask questions like, you know, what's our what's our time off policy or who's in charge of X feature or um, when is the next offsite? Like, um, I mean, more complex questions than that as well. At this point, it's it's enhanced search of your own internal workspace. Definitely a big shift in how we're thinking about documentation and knowledge management and how people will interact with the, the product slight, like, and how they'll interact with their documents. There will also be something about like, you know, this was updated last week or today or five months ago. Maybe it's not very relevant. It's sort of like a documentation that talks back to you and is really alive and regenerating and uh, wants to stay current. So I think thinking about like how documentation and knowledge management is changing in the AI era um, will definitely be top of mind for us. As for on your own time, I mean, I think it will definitely be there in the next six months. I don't know sort of if it's going to get more niche or if it's going to expand more broadly. I think like we were really focused on, you know, talking to remote teams and async teams, but I think that everybody can benefit from the style of knowledge management and documentation. You don't have to be working remotely to do that. So I'd like to speak to more hybrid teams or teams that are just open to a new knowledge management system. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. All this is changing so much, like remote work, async work, AI stuff, like all of it's happening so quickly. So I imagine that there's like, you have to kind of like digest some of the stuff happening in real time react to it but then also like kind of gut check okay yeah 
do we have to be like, we're not like a news website. So like, how do we, you know, like some of the stuff fits into our longer term vision. Some of it, maybe we have to react to right now. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of like, okay, we built the thing. Now, how does it fit into our overall philosophy? And I think that's something that's going to emerge in the next few months for us. And I think it'll be really exciting because it's documentation and knowledge management is this big need, but nobody knows how to do it. And it doesn't feel easy. Um, so maybe with this new addition of AI tools that like it, it can be easier and more accessible and something that doesn't feel like a niche. Yeah, no, that resonates. I'm definitely not one of the like second brain <laughs> realm research types, you know, but like I kind of get like, yeah, we should document stuff because it makes everybody's life a little easier. And it actually, it really works. Yeah. Like not to like make this a commercial, but like, yes, yeah, Slide actually really, genuinely has made our internal team function a lot more smoothly. So glad to hear that. Yeah. I want to be respectful of your time, Melanie. Really interesting to hear like how you're going about all this. Like just, I really appreciate your perspective on content and all the kind of, kind of differentiated things you're bringing to the B2B SaaS space, which I feel like is just, like I said, kind of sorely needed. We'll obviously link people to On Your Own Time specifically. We'll send people to Slight. Hey, where else can we send folks? You know, your personal Twitter, LinkedIn, or anywhere else? Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, that's kind of where I'm focusing my own content efforts these days. It just seems like I, I never would have expected it, but LinkedIn is friendly, man. <laughs> like, it's nice on there. Like, I never want to leave LinkedIn. <laughs> that's so, yeah, that's so interesting, actually. You're right. For all, I mean, LinkedIn's like sort of, like sort of a wild place, but like, yeah, people, like people don't troll there. Like they're, they are generally like pretty friendly. Yeah. I mean, I, I talk about this a lot and like, maybe, maybe this is completely irrelevant to this podcast, but now that I'm talking, LinkedIn has always like acknowledged the artifice of the social media that it is. And so I think that like when people just sort of understand at a baseline that people are either selling themselves or a product, like it allows a lot more freedom, I think, for, you know, people to be goofy or experimental or like or positive and like encouraging of other people. You know, Twitter's like, if you're sincere, then you're a loser. <laughs> yeah 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 it's like if you can't distill it into like a 10-step twitter thread then like no one's gonna even see it anyways yeah well cool well we will support you by sending people to your linkedin to be to leave friendly comments and click on your stuff <laughs> thanks thanks melanie seriously it's good to catch up anyways but i appreciate you doing it in this format and kind of opening the door for people to see what's going on so um Looking forward to sharing this out there and we should we should catch up soon. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. Cool, thanks.